You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast. The podcast that shaves her a little closer before... <laughs> I almost made it. Just do it. Just keep going. Shaves her a little closer. Uh, the podcast that shaves her a little closer before we analyze the... Am- <laughs> okay. Now you f***ed up. Beyond salvation. Yeah. I did the tongue thing, so it's irreversible. Savage Steve Hong classic yada yada yada. Okay. So it's so much easier when you're not doing it that... To do it, isn't it? That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. Today we are rocking out to Minute 45, which starts with Elizabeth Daly jamming out and singing the song One Way Love, and ends with Charles DeMar laughing uncontrollably at a joke made by Roy Stalin. How are we ending this week, Jason? Well, it's like this. Yesterday we learned that Lane was going to the dance alone because Joanne Greenwald didn't want to date him any more than he wanted to date her. As the minute begins, E.G. Daly is singing the song One Way Love at the high school New Year's Eve dance. At 44 minutes and 26 seconds, we pan over to Charles DeMar and Lane, sitting at a table doing absolutely nothing. Lane offers Charles a sandwich. At 44 minutes and 41 seconds, Stalin, with Beth on his arm, make their way to Lane's table where Stalin tells them that they have his vote for cutest couple. Stalin tells Lane he'd better shave Charles a little closer before kissing him goodnight, which causes Charles to go into a frenzied fit of faux laughter. Thus the minute ends. New shirt! Yes, new shirt for Charles. A celebratory minute for me. New shirt for Charles. This one looks like he's, uh... In a prison, keeping track of the days until he gets out. (laughs) I love this shirt. This may be my favorite shirt of the series. I don't know. I'm going to have to line them all up side by side for voting. In the words of Ratso Rizzle, that's a colossal shirt. <laughs> New Year's baby on the centerpiece of the table. Yes. Oh my God, did that take a long time to figure out? Yeah. Yeah. How many times did we rewind this? How many times did we watch this minute just to try to figure that out? Oh man, at least a half a dozen. And then didn't right? It yeah. was finally. It was finally later on. It was finally some other minute where we figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Um, they were standing, standing up. In a different scene, hold, holding the centerpiece. It was the thing that finally clued us in, because that's how dumb we are, that this was the New Year's Eve dance. <laughs> it's like, that's a New Year's Eve, baby. This is a New Year's Eve dance. This is a week after Christmas. <laughs> that's what's going on here. It finally clicked. It finally all came together. Ah, <laughs> New Year's Eve, baby. Is that the worst sandwich ever offered between friends? Yeah, it looked like there's nothing in it. It looked like just two pieces of white bread. It looked like it could be a prop sandwich. <laughs> a prop witch. Two pieces of styrofoam with a piece of plastic cheese between them. And not the good kind of stiff styrofoam, but that like foamy fi- styrofoam that's all wiggly and gross. <laughs> Yet somehow dry looking. You would have to drink a gallon of beer to get the sandwich down. So dry did it look. It makes me question the seriousness of their friendship. Okay, it doesn't. <laughs> really, I just want to talk about how much E.G. Daly looks like Tina Turner in this minute. Right down to the dress, the legs, the look, the hair. The heels. The dancing. Everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like if she manages to live through the dangerous makeshift stage thing she's standing on, she could go on to get beat up by her husband, write a book, 
make a comeback album and huge. End up in a Mel Gibson movie. Mel Gibson movie? Did I miss that one? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm keeping my mouth hid so that he can't see this. This is the first I know a movie that Jason doesn't. It's called Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh, duh. <laughs> oh, God. It was just too obvious, man. It was just staring me right in the face. <laughs> oh, man. Seriously. <laughs> if you just dropped in on this minute, boom. You just walked in the room and this this is playing on TV and you're looking at it and you're like, is this the Tina Turner story? What was the name of that movie? The Tina Turner bio. Oh, what's Love Got to Do With It? Yeah, you could just walk in and go, is this What's Love Got to Do With It? And what's Tina Turner doing on that Diaz. box? That Diaz. That light box. That looks like it might have like moths on pins inside it, you know? What are they trying to illuminate? <laughs> hmm. I can't quite see. Let me get a light. It was it was her personal booty light, maybe. Well, it did make her glow. Yes. It went up the dress, and she's got a whole glowing thing going on. It makes her look extra beautiful from just her normal, radiant self. Yes. It, it's not bad, but I fear for her life the whole time of watching it. <laughs> I know she survives it every single time. The movie is the same, time after time. But every time, I'm just like, oh, you know, the way she's dancing, where she's doing a lot of hip moving but not a lot of foot moving makes me think that that thing was very rickety. Like on the day of, she's like, I'm just going to move my hips, <laughs> but I'm not going to do a lot of stomping. And speaking of the band, and I didn't realize this till you pointed it out. The uh, keyboard guy, I spikes the camera at one point. I spikes. There's a dirtier word for what he does to the camera. <laughs> he makes love to the camera is what he does. <laughs> oh my God. It is like this band is in a music video that's separate from the reality of the movie that they're making. Yeah. It's almost as if, and I don't, see, I don't know how big this band was in 1985. Was it just her backing band? Surely it was. Yeah. Or did she have like just a regular set of guys that she came up with and they're like, oh, let's just call it the E.G. Daily Explosion or whatever her name was. Was it just E.G. Daily? As far as I know. There was no like E.G. Daily and the Purple Rains <laughs> or anything like that. Okay, well. The point I'm making is you get the feeling that these guys are kind of veteran video makers, video starers. Yeah. Video stars. It's not their first day. I guess time. that's the word for it. Stars. Yeah. It's not their first time at the rodeo. And like they don't quite get the, they don't quite understand the difference between I'm making a music video where I'm the center of the attention and I'm making a movie where I have to blend in to the scene. Yeah. There's kind of a, that, that kind of thing is going on where they think they're in a video. That keyboard guy, he looks back at the camera, just bam. Yeah, he, he literally looks at it like, hey, dude, what's up? Well, and here's the thing, too. I can totally understand why no one spotted that. Not the director of photography, not the editor, not anybody. They can just watch in the scene. Legs, Tina Turner dancing. And then the movie comes out. And then and then the movie comes out on VHS. So it's Letterbox, And then the movie comes out on DVD. And we got our widescreen back. And then, like, Savage Steve is sitting around one day in the early 2000s going, Hey! <laughs> Dude, I spiked the camera, man. Look at that guy! How did we not catch that? And then his wife is, like, rolling her eyes in the, in the background going, So we have another example here of Beth being super irritated with Roy. Yeah. She just does not like his shenanigans. She likes, what's the list? His car. Better looking. His looks. And his popularity. And his popularity. But she does not like his sense of humor. Even though it's a sense of humor which makes him popular. Because that's what bullies are is the most popular? I guess they are. 
Yeah, isn't that weird? I never thought about it, but yeah, that's the thing. Except the bullies when we were growing up were all just a bunch of junkies who got beat by their parents and therefore took it out on everyone. Yeah. And movie bully versus real life bully, I guess. Yeah, because like, you would think if they're super popular, they wouldn't feel the need to like slag the underlings, you know? Yet here we have it, and that's a common trope in the 80s movies for sure. Maybe that was the thing. Maybe they just watched too many movies in the 80s and they were like, oh, that's what bullies do. I'm going to pop my collar and go out and get it done. <laughs> Feather my hair. And... <laughs> Roy's hair is a whole new level of something. He's like, he took the concept of 80s hair and 80s fight it. <laughs> like other 80s hair is looking at his hair going, damn, that's some 80s hair. It's like ex- exponentially 80s. And at the same time, weirdly, like an evil villain. Yeah. Like he's got a brain on outside of his head. <laughs> yeah, it t- totally has like a brainiac thing happening. And he's got frosted, and it's frosted. Frosted tips. Was that even an 80s thing? I don't remember frosted tips before the 2000s for guys. Maybe the late 90s, maybe the mid 90s. Yeah, around about there. So he was ahead of the curve, majorly. Yeah, for uh, 80s villains, he really, he really had his... 2000s villains on <laughs> although the, the, did the karate kid guy oh i guess i'm sort of a subscriber of daniel was the bully oh so you you kind of go with the uh, Patton oswald theory of the uh, karate kid i didn't until Patton oswald said it i am totally a a, a bandwagon poser but <laughs> now that he said it i can't unsee it <laughs> daniel is a dick <laughs> he is the bad guy in that movie but that's beside the point that guy had just solely blonde hair. Yeah. It was feathered, but it wasn't frosted. And it, it didn't have the meticulous layering. He did pop his collar. Yeah. He did roll his jean cuffs, which is something you're not aware of by the look on your face. You don't remember rolling jean cuffs in the 80s? Oh, yeah. I, I remember, yeah, in the I 80s. Mean, but I, I, I don't, don't strike me as the type of guy that did it. Well, I got short legs, so of course I rolled them. <laughs> but no, I, I was just I was just thinking... I don't remember. But that really tight roll that yeah. was stylish. But I was I was trying to think of that in you know Johnny doing that. I, I just mostly remember him in in the judo gi and the, like the karate gi and the skeleton outfit. I think he just gives the impression of someone that rolled his rolled his jean cuffs. Uh, he seems like a cuff roller. He seems like a cuff roller and color popper. Two buttons down. <laughs> Two buttons down. A little throwback to the seventies. <laughs> on the on the shirt brain with no skull kind of like the aliens from mars invasion from mars or mars attacks mars me. attacks yeah <laughs> or skeletor i timed that just to see if i could get you to spit your coffee did you notice that roy's boys are back in the scene oh yeah they're back nodding syncopathically am i even is that even a word sycophantically syncophantically yes of course there's maybe a little syncopation there too a syncopated rhythm. A syncopated syncopathy. <laughs> you, you say it. <laughs> syncopated syncopathy. There we go. <laughs> I have clearly had too much, too much coffee today to be able to uh, get these words out right. I think it's the mixing of the coffee and the, and the uh, rock star. That could be. So we, we come back to the question of the movie. Is Charles really a junkie? I don't know. This is the scene that actually made me question whether or not he was actually stoned sometime. Because he does look way out of it when he's just sitting there uh, blowing the party horn. You say way out of it as if you mean he's he's high. Yeah. See, that's weird. I don't get that. I get 
way out of it like he's in just a down he's down because he doesn't have anything like he's not high but then the laughter thing yeah well let's let's unpack it a little bit so if he's high let's back up a little bit put a pin in is he high have you ever been experienced like Jimi hendrix <laughs> you ever got high long long time ago long time ago okay so, so we're on the, sorry mom oh, so we're on the same boat yeah yeah sorry mom i was never the one time i didn't exhale wait <laughs> <laughs> it's still in your lungs somewhere. Right, right. I didn't exhale. Um, I didn't act like this. I was like, well, you know, part of my problem was I did it and then immediately went to a Perkins where there was a table full of cops next door. <laughs> so bad times there. Paranoia. Yeah, never did it again. Um, but I was just laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. There was no, and it wasn't laughing like Charles. It was like, you know, super uncontrolled laughter not real forced ha 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 laugh what was your experience yeah pretty much everything was suddenly hilarious everything suddenly hilarious yes including being offered the world's worst sandwich <laughs> including the way that the whistle sounded when i blew on it including the centerpiece of the table including the words of the song including the way people are weirdly you're able to hear their stomps over the music <laughs> All of it, right? All yeah. of it's just hilarious. Yeah. So is he high? You're saying yes. It it would it would kind of point to it, you know. But yeah, I I've been going back and forth on that ever since we got even close to going to this minute because part of me thinks, yeah, he's just laughing because he's wasted, and suddenly, you know, what Stalin said is the funniest thing he's ever heard, and the, there are indications earlier on that he kind of worships Stalin the way everybody else does even though he wants to see Lane triumph over him. But there's part of me that also wants to think he's laughing sarcastically in order to alienate Roy. Well, yeah, it's always been my read on this scene that he laughs like that just to send a message to Roy that he's not funny. Yeah. That he's on to him and that he's superior to him. I'm going to laugh at that so hard that it's going to make you uncomfortable because even you know it's not that funny. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with being high. Yeah. I, I wish I'd thought of that strategy when I was that age. <laughs> just, the, you know, so, somebody slags you off and you're, you're like, <laughs> Wow. Did a chicken just come through here? <laughs> Where's Burt Reynolds when you need him? <laughs> the, yeah, so, so that's my argument for not high. That he is in control of himself and is doing this on purpose. But it would also make sense to me that he's depressed that he doesn't have any drugs. Lane is depressed. I mean, okay, let's back this up a little bit. Both of these guys are sitting at the table having just the worst time ever. Yeah. Lane's having the worst time ever because Beth has broke up with him. And he just got dumped by Joanne Greenwald before even having a chance to date her. Which he didn't even want to do anyway, so just indignity upon indignity. Charles is depressed because... Fill in the blank. I say because he doesn't have any drugs. Yeah. Well, he also doesn't have a date either. That's true. Yeah. There, there's never anything about Charles's social life, really, other than the fact that he says, I know high school girls. He, he, he knows high school girls, but he doesn't really apply that knowledge. You know, he didn't become a Mac. You know, that never occurred to me before. Does he, is he ever in the arms of a woman in this movie? Nope. Is he ever even talking to one? No. Does he at any time... Wait a second. 
Okay, Roy season. So he's not a figment of. Oh, you're gonna go with the uh, the Fight Club theory, maybe? <laughs> yeah, but it turns out Roy season. But without the scene, no, 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 no. <laughs> that would have been a fun take on this movie. Never with a chick. Not once. Once is he ever, but he's giving Lane advice. That explains a lot of Lane's problems. He's getting romantic advice from the guy that can not only get a girl, but he also can't get any drugs. Right. Yeah. Oh, wait. All I'm doing is saying that he's a loser, which is what we're supposed to think anyway. <laughs> Damn you, Savage Steve, for being two steps ahead of me. <laughs> but yeah. The high, not high. That would be a, yet another question that I would love to ask uh, Savage if I ever got a hold of him. Whether it was, yeah, I know, right? God, it'd be great just to have him on for one episode just to pick his brain about these things. Yeah. If you know Savage Steve Holland and you can get us in touch with him, we really want to talk to him for an hour. Yeah, man. So many burning questions. Like, why is there a Freddy Krueger sweater in every scene? Yeah. (laughs) This time on the band member. Scene after scene of Freddy Krueger sweater. What is going on? At first, I was just blowing it off. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, just people have like striped sweaters, right? Yeah. But now it's just showing up too much. It's just over and over, it's over and over. Well, Jason, short minute for me. That's uh, that's all the mo- notes I made. You, uh, you got anything else? I guess not. Okay. Well, we are the better off dead minute. We owe the format idea completely 100% to the Star Wars minute. I'm not sure if we're considered second generation or third generation, but this is directly because of the Star Wars Minute. Alex and Pete is why we're doing this. Uh, so shout out to those guys. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, you can Twitter us, you can Facebook us, you can call us. 712-830-7373. If that's it, uh, happy Friday, everyone. Join us Monday for Minute 46. I'm Curtis Blades. I'm Jason Hummel. Good night. <laughs>